Our scripture lesson this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 12. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. I pray that you would bless it this morning. Help me to proclaim uh, this good news of the gifts that you've given us to equip your church. And I pray that we would not only hear about them today, but also put them into practice in this church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, we are continuing with our foundational triads. And uh, this week, we are starting a new series on the spiritual gifts. In the New Testament here in the book of Acts, we see that the disciples were distraught. They thought they had lost Jesus for good when they saw him on the cross. But here he was back from the dead. But just when their hopes were the highest, Jesus gives them the depressing news that he was not going to be staying with them, but rather he was going to be departing back to the Heavenly Father. He had hinted about this earlier in his ministry. For example, in John 14, 12, he told them, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Later in that same conversation, which is recorded in 16.7, he reveals the reason that he must go. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so perhaps the disciples here had somewhat selective hearing. They didn't want to hear certain things and uh, didn't want to understand about the timing uh, of these issues here. But right before his ascension, Jesus reiterates the sad news. I am ascending to the Father, to my Father and your Father. At this time in history, we are waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus in order that he might establish his eternal kingdom here on earth. But in the meantime, we are not just supposed to stand around uh, staring at the sky waiting for his return. He's given us a task. He's called us to make disciples of all nations. And being the good and gracious Savior that he is, he equipped us for the job by giving us special gifts. Charisma Magazine uh, compiled a list of 25 different spiritual gifts and the scriptures that coincide with them. You can see that list right in your bulletin. And as we begin this foundational triad on the spiritual gifts, I want to let you know that this will be actually a double triad. During the next three weeks, we're going to focus on the spiritual gifts lists listed here in Ephesians chapter 4. These are called the ministry gifts. Then we're going to be shifting and spending three weeks on the remaining gifts, gifts to know, gifts to do, and gifts to speak. The ministry gifts are meant to build up the body or the church, and uh, Christ uh, wanted to equip us for the acts of service. The word that is translated into English as ministry in Ephesians 4.12 is where we get our word deacon from. And one thing I want you to note especially is that these gifts are in the form of people that Jesus places in particular positions to do special tasks. 
And these gifts are unlike the other gifts because they tend to define a person and can even send them on a particular career track. This morning we're going to begin with the gift of apostleship. And by the end of this message, we will see that apostles have three main characteristics. First of all, apostles are sent. In fact, that word apostle means sent one. In English, we might call them emissaries or ambassadors. They have a particular message that they carry with them as they represent the one who is doing the sending. Originally, there were 12 selected apostles that were chosen by Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. And having commanded them to go into the, all the world, these 12 were to be the original men that were going to kickstart the new fledgling church there. But just as there are the disciples and then disciples, small d, there are also the apostles and apostles, small a. Jesus did not send, uh, stop sending men and women out into the world to proclaim the gospel message once all the original 12 were dead. We know this because Paul, who was not one of the original 12, was also called an apostle. Now, at this point, it should be noted that there are big differences between apostles and missionaries, even though both are sent out to proclaim the gospel message. Missionaries tend to come under the authority of a local or denominational body, whereas apostles are overseers of local churches and denominational bodies. Today's apostles have names like bishops or denominational president or director, but the goal is exactly the same. They are sent out to promote the overall gospel mission of the church. Your garden variety missionary tends to have a more singular focus that is limited to one geographical area. Using the example of the Apostle Paul as one who was sent, we see the importance of this gift because he traveled all over Asia Minor, strengthening the churches. He had great concern for them, and he wanted to make sure that they were healthy. And so Paul wrote many letters, which we see are recorded now in the New Testament as the epistles to these new churches, which over time were distributed to many other churches and now are included in the canon of Scripture. This oversight of the churches was considered to be a fatherly role. We see this demonstrated in 1 Corinthians 14.15. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so an example of this fatherly ministry in our AFLC would be Lyndon Coronan. He's the president of our association. And so he spends much of his time traveling around the country visiting churches and making sure that pastors as well as congregations are healthy and working together and supplying things that they need. And so he has this fatherly concern for the church. We also have directors in the area of home missions and world missions, also in evangelism. These men help bring vision to these areas and really are pastors to the missionaries and the uh, church planting pastors that are in the field. The second thing we see that about apostles is that apostles oversee regions. One important aspect uh, to note about apostles is that, is that they are given authority to oversee, and they don't just jump in and take control. We see this in the example of Paul. He states in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 2, 
that it's clear and that Jesus chose him to be one who's sent out, and he's pleading to the church in Corinth here. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so what he was trying to do here was he was trying to get them to realize the fruit of their relationship and that they had this um, relationship of him being apostolic and them being the fruit of his labor. And this is a very free Lutheran concept. As a local congregation, you decide to associate with the AFLC. That's why we're called an association and not a synod. And so you don't have to give any kind of authority to those who are leading over at headquarters. But I think that we do ourselves a great disservice when we reject that apostolic leadership. What kinds of danger can a local church fall into when they don't have any kind of apostolic leadership? Well, one is that they begin to see themselves as disconnected from the greater church. We only support those things that have to do with us personally or locally, and we lose the great impact that we can share in endeavors with others to reach a wider body. Examples of this would be things like uh, the AFLC missionaries, the Bible school, the seminary, and evangelistic efforts. I've been very encouraged since I've been here at Elam and seeing the church leadership that they are very open to being in connection with the apostolic leadership in Minneapolis. Most times when we see the word apostle in the New Testament, it is Paul's greeting to a particular church. His influence is regional over particular Gentile congregations. We also see this in the ministry of John. On Patmos, he writes to seven churches whom he had an apostolic relationship with. And this is possibly one area that I think that the AFLC could grow in. Those who subscribe to a more synodical approach have bishops that fulfill this apostolic role. Now, whether you see this as a positive or a negative, there is no doubt that this is a scriptural concept and is encouraged. The problem is that typically uh, there uh, tends to be a problem with these regional leaders begin to overstep their role. They come in and they begin to make demands on pastors. One apostolic ministry that is very important to the AFLC is the work of home missions. And most of you know Pastor Jim Johnson, formerly of Camarillo. He's the new director and actually was a, an intern here at Elam. And so he oversees the planting of new churches. The apostles did this as well and this is how the kingdom of God grew here on earth. But I would say also a warning against rogue apostles. These are those people who proclaim themselves to be apostles or take on the role of the, of the apostle without permission or endorsement from the wider body. Just this week, I was sitting in church by myself and I was working in my office when the phone rang. And so I answered it, and a man named Paul said that he had been listening to some of my sermons online and wanted to know if we could meet together. I asked him what he wanted to meet about, and he said that he was from Texas, he was just passing through, but he had a concern about my sermons. He said that I was not being like Paul the Apostle because I was not preaching Christ crucified only. I was just preaching about church structure, so obviously he'd listened to the last three sermons or whatever. 
And I said, I think you should go back and listen to more of my sermons if you have a concern. And after I was on the phone for a few minutes with him, it dawned on me that Paul was a self-proclaimed corrector of pastors. He wanted to send me a book to read by his favorite author. And actually, I knew the author, and so I know him. And I called him and I said, I just want to let you know that this guy is out here correcting pastors in your name. And he said, I think I know who you're talking about. Thanks for the heads up. I'll deal with it. And so this man didn't know me. He didn't uh, have a relationship with me. He hadn't listened to all my message messages. He was just an error hunter. On social media, we call these people trolls. Their life's mission is to stir up controversy. Interestingly enough, though, uh, there was someone in the congregation that I would have taken very seriously last week if he'd come up to me and with that same concern. Terry Olson was here. He's the AFLC pastor, a former pastor of this church, and the former vice president of the AFLC and a special assistant to the president. So if he had come up and said, Scott, you're not preaching Christ crucified or you need to correct your message or whatever, I would have taken that seriously because he is in apostolic authority in my life. Finally, we see here that Jesus is the example of apostleship. Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of your confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. And so Jesus is the original apostle, having been sent by the Father to accomplish his preordained plan. As we look at his example, there are a few things that we can learn about this important spiritual gift. First, we see that Jesus was both apostle and high priest. He was sent to us to become a mediator between us and God. This is the role of a priest. The priest intercedes for the people before the throne of God. 1 Peter 2.5 tells us, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so the spiritual sacrifice that we offer is ourselves, our bodies, our gifts. Jesus has given us this task to serve others. And this is a crucial uh, thing in the apostolic ministry because of the propensity for leaders in high positions to lord it over those who they are over authority. Next, we see that Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, namely God the Father. This becomes difficult for us uh, because of sinful, the sinful nature here. One man who was an apostolic position in the FLCS president did not remain faithful to his calling and caused great damage, almost destroying the fledgling association. He had been ministering for many years when one day his wife got very sick. She went to the doctor to have some tests run, and it was discovered that she had AIDS. Her husband had been secretly engaging in homosexual encounters for the previous 20 years. And so the local newspaper had a heyday with all of this, berating this uh, conservative denomination for its hypocrisy. Now, we are never going to have perfect leaders, but we must strive to be faithful to the calling that the Lord has placed uh, for those who are in high positions. One of the reasons that these things happen in the church uh, is because leaders can tend to be elevated and isolated. They feel they don't have anyone to talk to about the issues that they're dealing with. 
And I wonder how many times this particular pastor, who was the president of the AFLC, wanted to come clean with everyone, but had no idea how to do it because he was so distanced. In conclusion this morning, how does someone rise to the position of apostle? Some have become self-proclaimed apostles traveling around and merely forcing themselves upon the church. But in the words of Pastor Eldon Nelson, the position seeks the man, the man doesn't seek the position. And this is why the call process is so powerful. There's a process that takes place over at the AFLC headquarters that's much like the process that we have for calling a pastor here at Elam. I think that this gift is probably one of the least focused on in our denomination. In fact, some would say that the apostolic gift died with the first apostles. But let's read again the portion of the passage in Ephesians here, but this time let's go on to read the next verse as well. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now this is the part that I didn't read earlier. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so the question is, have we attained full maturity? We still need all of the ministry gifts that the Lord has given to his church to accomplish the spreading of the gospel message. And Father God, I pray that if there are apostolic leaders here that you desire to do wider work, I pray that you would bless them, Lord. Help them to see what you have in store for them. Give them vision for the wider church and raise them up so that we can benefit from this amazing spiritual gift. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.